You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome once again to Disney One by One. This week we're talking about The Little Mermaid from 1989. This is the 28th movie on the list. This is our halfway point, David. We've made it to the halfway point. And as always, remember, you can check us out all over the internet at Disney1x1. And of course, you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We would love that. This week, as always, with me is my brother, David Rolfing. David, welcome to Disney One by One. Hello, Mike. I can look you in the eyes. It's so nice. Yeah, this is a special episode. We are live in person, not live on the internet, but live in person. We are on vacation together in Florida. And we were sitting in the same room for the first time, so this is very strange. I would say thank you for having me, but we've included every family member about, <laughs> so it's just natural. And we do have some very special guests on this show, so David, uh, please introduce the first guest. First special guest, my wife, Danny Rolfing. Hi. The biggest Disney fan I know. Sarcastic quotes. <laughs> I like Disney. Disney fan. Disney World fan, Disney movie <laughs> fan for the most part. She's watched one of the other movies with me, 101 Dalmatians. So, That's it? Yeah. Of the 28? Even though most of them we've watched include like dogs and animals. Well, I've seen a lot of them before this though. Yeah, But that is why she watched that one because of all the puppies. I'm normally watching The Bachelor while he's watching his <laughs> Disney. <laughs> you got your, your headphones in each of you? Yeah. <laughs> And our second special guest. This is a this is a unprecedented event. We have four people on the show today, and our second special guest is my wife, my beautiful wife, Mallory Rolfing. Mallory, welcome to Disney One by One. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> that was that was very proper. That's right. We're down to business here. What do you think about this adventure that David and I are on right now? I think it's a lot of fun. And it's been fun listening to you, and it's been fun hearing the product after hearing behind the scenes Well, not being allowed to run the dishwasher. Mm, amen. <laughs> <laughs> the dishwasher is directly behind my office at home, which bleeds into my microphone, which uh, ruins the show. Yeah, I make Danny watch the TV in the, in the living room with AirPods in so that it, I don't pick up any TV noise on the podcast. Speaking of noise, we do have a little bit of a peanut gallery here today. Say hello to Fred and Diana Rolfing. <laughs> They're uh, milling around in the background, so we have a little bit of of a live audience. And will Ellie make a cameo on the baby monitor, perhaps? She may. The baby is sleeping. Did you turn the volume down? The volume is down. We'll see how how long that lasts. She's not sleeping yet, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Going on one hour of not sleeping. (laughs) Mallory, how many of these have you watched with me of the 28? Maybe one. No, you've been in the room for more than that. You're but tied. I haven't stayed awake for them. Okay, how how many of the ep- how many of the final episodes have you listened to? Every one of them, every Thank week. You. What about you, Danny? I don't have as great of a track record, but again, <laughs> I'm there while he's recording a lot she of the time. She listened to the Bambi episode. Yes. One of the most entertaining, I'd say. That was say. a really good one. Nice. Yes, and I've listened to bits and pieces in the car, for sure. We listen to them all, mom and dad. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Number one fans, our parents. <laughs> Um, all right. So as is tradition, well, first, first let's, Danny, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself besides being married to David? Well, what else do you do? Oh, okay. Well, um, fun fact, we actually work at the same company, David and I, it's a travel company. We have a beautiful dog. <laughs> we're from St. Louis. Same. We actually, I met David in high school, so we're high school sweethearts, which is pretty cute. Aww. Um, been to Disney with the fam twice now. Is that right? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Disneyland. Disneyland. Once. Once. Disneyland once. And Disney World once, right? No. No. Just Disneyland? Just Disneyland. Oh, wow. Well, let me tell you. It was a long day. It felt like like two trips packed. 12 hours. Two trips packed into eight eight hours. Yes. (laughs) At Mike's speed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Majored in fashion, so I love clothes and style and... All of that. Personal styling? Yes. Do you take any inspiration from Disney princesses? I can't say that I have. Um, Yet. Yet, yes. I did like Ariel shells, so maybe we'll incorporate that on the next trip. (laughs) We have plenty right outside our door right now. We can go pick some up tomorrow morning. And uh, Mallory, how about you? Well, Mike and I have been married for five years of joyful, joyful times. Mm -hmm. Though I thought we'd go on, uh, we'd go to Disney for a honeymoon. It didn't happen. 
No, but I, didn't, we have I, didn't, been, I didn't force him to do that. <laughs> we've, we've been to Disney once or twice a year since we've been married. It's been great. I'm a willing participant, though I think people think I am not. I love it just as much as he does. No, not as no, much no, as he no, does. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. I love you can it. appreciate it. Period. Okay. <laughs> I am an administrator at the school that all of these fine individuals went to, and I actually taught Danny in my very first year. Oh, man. So warning to all teachers out there, your students may become your siblings. <laughs> <laughs> She was my favorite teacher, by the way. Yeah, I remember we went on an early family vacation when none of, when none of us were married, and we were good little kids and, and didn't share beds together. <laughs> so uh, Mallory and Danny had to share a bed <laughs> while David and I did, and Mallory was not too removed from being Danny's teacher at the time. No, it was great. It was awesome. Recovering from a hip surgery as well, and that 12-hour Disneyland day was done on that hip, so yeah. Shout out to Dr. Sorry. King. Good work on my hip. Okay, so as is tradition, we need to establish a little bit more about your Disney history, your Disney past. So we'll start with, with, with the young one, Danny Rolfing. You've established your Disney history a little bit, but give me a little bit more. Like, how has Disney affected your life growing up or not at all? I, my, actually, my mom's brother, my uncle Mike, lives in California with his wife, Silvana, and they have lived there since I was really young. So I grew up going to Disneyland every time I would visit them. I actually was texting with my mom before this. I think I went on Space Mountain when I was three or four because yeah. I've always been in like the 95th percentile for height. <laughs> <laughs> like this skinny little thing, tall enough. Yeah, loved riding roller coasters, loved going out there. Watched a lot of Disney movies growing up. Always had the Disney Channel on. It's kind of like David. David grew up on Disney Channel. I watched a lot more cartoons than Danny, I think. Yeah, I liked the Disney Channel original movies. That's so Raven, or the, the live action. Do you remember? Do you remember what the first Disney Channel original movie was? Was it Smart House? Got it. Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> you win. I loved that movie. <laughs> the oranges flying everywhere. Yeah, that was like... Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one I remember a lot of. And then the one, it was called The Phantom of the Megaplex. Did you watch that one? I don't remember that one. I watched that once with you when I was too scared to sleep and you were babysitting me and I came down to the family room and we watched it together. <laughs> it made me feel better. That one's, it's Fan of the Opera, but it takes place in a movie theater. What? You don't remember that? No. And then, uh, what were the other ones? What were some of the other classic Disney Channel original movies? Was Wish Upon a Star one? Maybe. Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't They know. like switched bodies. Twitches was a later one. Twitches 2. Yeah. <laughs> no, was Phil of the Future or that was that a show? Show. The Even Stevens movie, a great one. Yeah, so Smart House is definitely the, the original and the best. The greatest. Okay, well, we'll jump to Mallory real quick before we get to our top fives. Mallory, your Disney history. Yes, so I am from Michigan, so getting to a park was an adventure. But when I was six or seven, each of my siblings, that's when we got to go to the parks for the first time. And so seven years old, I got to go. And if you recall in Florida, Space Mountain, Yeah. also I have a connection there, is single like single file riding right. and so i was in the middle between my parents and the minute that started i just started screaming my brains out and screamed and cried the entire time and wanted to get out because you're not sitting with another person no. you have your own so room. my yeah. parents were trying to like rub my back as we're flying through space mountain and i refused to go back on it and we rode thunder mountain at least 10 15 times as a response so I was also very sad because I was missing school. <laughs> Nerd! Which is a very typical Mallory response. And I now feel. I'm in school all the time. But I remember I got one prize when I was there, and it was a porcelain Cinderella is what I chose. Nice. I still have that. But, I mean, I grew up in the 90s, and so I feel like that is the, most, the best part of Disney. What they, the best things they produced was in that time. So I think I grew up in the heart of Disney. Peanut Gallery, Dad, is there a similar Space Mountain story from my childhood? When we went to Disney World with Diana's brother and Diana's brother's kids, Michael, at age four, was tall enough to ride Space Mountain, and Carrie had just turned age five. And we, John and I, took Michael and Carrie, now Carol, on Space Mountain, <laughs> and they were both terrified. It is single file. You. The only way we could reassure them was to put our hands on their shoulders, and it it was really a terrifying experience, and I think it was five years before you went on Space Mountain again, but you did go on other roller coasters where you could sit side by side. Sure. It, it, 
it scared John and I that we put you through that terror <laughs> when we were done. Yeah, it is now possibly my favorite ride there. So Agreed. It's, it's a lot of fun. I can imagine the flashing blue beginning part to be terrifying for a little kid. <laughs> With a loud like, crashing noise. And all. Changing direction. You can't see what's going on. It's dark the whole time. Yeah. At least the, uh, the one in California you sit side by side so that would probably be a better first experience that was my first experience and there's music playing and it's honestly i like the one in california better so danny was along along with the disney history we also ask our guests about their top five favorite disney movies so over the of this list of over 50 have you narrowed it down yes i've narrowed it down all right start at number five and give us a little explanation for each one okay number five 101 dalmatians dogs um yes big animal person i think i i said oh the whole time we watched it It was also one of the only movies i watched with david recently so um dinosaur loved that movie i watched it when i was like nannying a couple summers ago and i'm pretty sure i cried at least once while i watched it lion king true classic can't go wrong with that uh number two lilo and stitch yeah i almost put that as number one i love their friendship really cute and then number one is tarzan hmm. which we also watched recently yeah. comforted me after surgery yeah. <laughs> phil, phil collins serenaded your tummy yes. <laughs> what, what about tarzan makes that your favorite i think there's a lot of like sentimental memories attached to it i watched it with my grandma grandma loves all the songs we would like listen and sing together i like the family aspect the animals again I think also none of these are, well, I know we're going to talk about The Little Mermaid, but I'm not into like the whole princess thing <laughs> so much. Um, I, I don't know. I liked Tarzan a lot, a, a big sentimental, you know, movie for me. I also included some of those songs on the first CDs I gave you in That's, high school. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yes. I fell asleep on your shoulder in high school watching that movie. That was the first time oh, yeah. I ever like fell asleep on anyone besides my mom, I think. Before we were officially dating, we watched Tarzan after laying out at the pool. Yeah, and Danny fell asleep on my shoulder. Uh, what so, which songs were on the mix? You'll be in my heart. Uh, not trash in the camp. You, yeah, you'll be in my heart. Two two worlds. Two worlds. All the songs kind of blend together, and from that movie, they're all so good. Uh, Mallory, your top five. Do you have a list? I do. Honestly, I really only want to choose four. So the fifth one is like, eh, okay, I'll just throw this on there. Number five is Tangled, because it was good. Moving on. Number four, Moana. Moana, honestly, was just beautiful, and it had wonderful music, and it was funny. And again, I have a similar theme with Danny of the princess. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about (laughs) it later. Um, Number three, Lion King. Again, because music, it's wonderful. Number two is Aladdin, I think also because of the music. Number one is Beauty and the Beast, because I love reading. And I love that Belle has an opinion about things. Um, I also want a house with that library someday. Right? Yeah, My, Mallory's been begging for a, a, a wall, a built-in wall bookshelf forever, so there's not really space in our house right now for one. But it's also my justification for buying more books. It's for that day when I'm going to have a library in my house with a ladder that I can swing all the way around. Yes. Though I, I finally convinced you to get a library card recently. It's like you do not need to buy all these books <laughs> when they're free down the street. Yeah, that was life-changing. It's funny. I was I was trying to figure out like a game we could play or something, and I couldn't I couldn't come up with anything. But I st- I went on a website to get anagrams of your two names to see if anything Disney related came up. Bear with me, Mallory Mallory Skolton. I did your maiden names. Mallory Skolton can uh, anagram into scholarly molten, which works perfectly with the volcano from Moana. Uh-huh. Hey. Uh-huh. <laughs> Danielle Evans. Danielle Evans. Get this. Anagrams into enslaved alien Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's blowing my mind right now. Who's meant to be? Were those both your number four picks? No, no. Lilo and Stitch was number two oh, for number me. Two. I, we almost had completely different lists. Yeah, I've so, never seen most of those. So ones. no game came out of that, but Michael Rolfing turns into a filching armhole. <laughs> And David, the only thing that came out of that was David Rolfing was having, like how, like have, like and cut something in half, having four did. I don't know what a four did is, but theirs are better. <laughs> Sweet. Agreed. I don't like mine. <laughs> I don't like mine. Enslaved Alien, that was amazing. 
You're also a uh, leavened nails, but that does not. I can come up with anything for that. So. <laughs> oh. And with that, we will move on to the Little Mermaid. And now our feature presentation. For over 50 years, Walt Disney has turned classic stories into classic animated motion pictures. Now the tradition continues as one of the world's greatest stories becomes the newest Disney motion picture classic, The Little Mermaid. I want to be where the people are. The Little Mermaid is based on a story by Hans Christian Andersen, who wrote a lot of stories, short stories, books back in the day. It was an early idea of Walt's to make this into a Disney animated feature. It was began development right after Snow White in the 30s, but it was delayed, delayed for various reasons, like most of these movies are at some point. So fast forward 50 years to the 80s when Ron Clements found the story of Little Mermaid on a bookshelf. Ron uh, worked on The Rescuers, Fox and the Hound, Black Cauldron. He directed The Great Mouse Detective. And he took this idea of The Little Mermaid to a pitch meeting. They called it the, the Gong Show that then Disney CEO Jeffrey Katzenberg put on where guys would come together and just pitch a bunch of ideas for stories. It was passed over by Katzenberg because Disney was working on a sequel to Splash. Are you guys familiar with the movie Splash at all? No. Okay, so Splash is a Ron Howard, Brian Grazer movie. It's the first kind of like adult movie made by Disney in their Touchstone Pictures side of their company. It stars Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah about a man who falls in love with a woman who's secretly a mermaid. So because they had this movie Splash, they're like, ah, it's too similar to Little Mermaid. Splash is also the reason why Splash Mountain is called Splash Mountain. Really? They were going to call it something else, more Song of the South related, but Michael Eisner was like, no, we got this movie called Splash, so we can like promote them together. Are and there so, mermaids? No, no, it has nothing to do with the movie. If the story's about a different movie. Right. Song in the South. Right. But they decided to name Splash Mountain that so they could like cross promote them. It was really stupid. It's still called Splash Mountain to this day. So, so yeah, Katzenberg passed over the Little Mermaid because of Splash. But the next morning he came to Ron Clements who pitched the idea and was like, actually, I was thinking about this and I think we should try this. So Ron, work on it. So they started rolling on it. They even stumbled across some of the original work from the 30s and apparently was very similar to what Ron was putting together. So just kind of coincidentally, interesting fact there. With the help of his buddy John Musker, who the two of them went on to direct a whole bunch of Disney movies, they turned his two-page idea into a 20-page script. But it was put on hold, like these always are, for Oliver and Company and Roger Rabbit, which were released the same year. Roger Rabbit's half live action, half half animation. I love that movie. That's not on this list. No, it's not. It does not count. Because it was in partnership with Warner Brothers and stuff. Because they incorporate all sorts of characters from other franchises and other companies. You still haven't seen that, have you? No, I've never seen it. We gotta watch that. Roger Rabbit? It's amazing. So good. (laughs) It's the only time you ever see Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny together. And it was so, they were so strict with how they could utilize these characters that Bugs and Mickey had to have the precise amount of screen time. Weird. Like contractually and stuff. It's really interesting, the history behind that movie. Isn't it called Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, that's right. And then Disney tried to really push Roger Rabbit as more as like their next Mickey Mouse. Like Disney MGM Studios when they opened that in 89 was very Roger Rabbit heavy. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of fizzled out because they never made another Roger Rabbit movie. So, In 1987, while they were uh, rolling along with this thing, Howard Ashman was brought on board. He is a famous playwright and lyricist. He had worked on one song for Oliver and Company. And uh, so he was brought on board to help out with the music. He was the one who suggested changing the character Clarence the English Crab to a Jamaican crab named Sebastian which would obviously have heavily influenced the style of the music in this movie. Good move, man. It was Jeffrey Katzenberg, Ron Clements, John Musker, and Howard Ashman who were working on this movie, and together they decided to structure the movie into a Broadway musical-style movie, which is really one of the first ones, at least for a long time, where the songs progress the story and the songs come in the most like important points of the story, like, like what would happen in a Broadway musical. Howard Ashman brought his buddy, composer Alan Menken, on board. Alan Menken and Howard Ashman famously worked on The Little Shop of Horrors, which is one of my favorite musicals. David? Suddenly, Seymour. <laughs> Mallory? I don't have any. Nothing. Dad? <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Uh, <laughs> I know all the songs. Where, where sh- little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> Feed me. Does it have to be human? Feed me. Does it have to be blood? What about the dentist song? 
when I was younger, I was a bad little kid. Some be uh, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I put you on the spot. Anyway, a little shot more. <laughs> um, so Alan Menken was brought on to write the score for this movie. Side note, Alan Menken went on to write Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Home on the Range, Ench- Enchanted, Tangled. I wrote Enchang- Enchanged. Ench- Enchangled. <laughs> Tangled, Beauty and the Beast. He also wrote the music to one of, my, one of my favorite theme park rides. It is from Tokyo Disney Sea. It is from Sinbad's storybook voyage, and it's called Compass of Your Heart. I will play it momentarily. From Sinbad. It's fantastic. And it's all in Japanese, so I have no idea what they're saying. No, never heard of that one? Okay, I'll move on. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, Tokyo Disney trip? Do we bring our kids or do we go the four of us? Well, if we're going to Tokyo Disney, we have to hit up Shanghai and Hong Kong as well. So the leave trifecta. the kids behind. All right, let's leave the kids. Different right, country. Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear, we don't have any kids yet. I just you know down the down the road. When Brody becomes a service dog, we can bring him to Japan. <laughs> oh, great. Our dad was just in Tokyo and he failed to visit the theme park, so it's, it's a waste. It's a, just a waste of a trip there. <laughs> he sent a picture from the hotel saying it's this way over the horizon. <laughs> but I have. Aerial pictures of Dis- Tokyo Disney that I took from the plane. Yeah. So, and I have a lot of them. Moving on, some still going. <laughs> <laughs> this movie had a huge budget compared to some of the past ones. Along with the animation studio in Glendale, California, they also did some of the work at the new Disney MGM Studios Park in Florida, which, when that was built, it was actually a functioning studio, and you would tour the studio and see actual movies in production. And so they did some work on Little Mermaid there in the early days of that theme park. Uh, fun fact, which our dad brought up while he was Googling while watching this movie the other night, there were over a million bubbles drawn for this movie, and a lot of them were outsourced to a Chinese company to help expedite the process. The, this was the last Disney feature to use traditional hand-painted cell animation. The Rescuers Down Under used computers to help with the coloring and basically eliminated the need for like individual frames of animation. It was still hand-drawn stuff, but this is the last one to really use the classic style. Moving on to the cast of this movie, who played Ariel? Anyone? Jodie Benson. Correct. Who else has she played in a Disney movie? Well, Pixar movie. Dave? No Googling, David. (laughs) (laughs) Cheater. We know your secrets. She's a hyperlink on the Wikipedia page. It was so easy. She plays Barbie in Toy Story 2 and 3. Oh, yeah. Who plays oh Ken? Oh, my gosh. Anyone? Mm. Michael Eric? Keaton. <laughs> Michael Keaton plays Ken. She also sang your favorite childhood songs yes. on CD. Yes. The first compact disc I ever received for a gift was Songs from the Beginner's Bible, sung by Jody Benson. <laughs> She's got a special place in your heart. It is fantastic. We should listen to a track from it. <laughs> um, where should we begin? How about the cre- creation's the best one? Yeah, <laughs> Anyone else remember this? <laughs> no. no. I was it, listening to Michael W. Smith. There's I a like great song. Zoe Girl. Yeah. <laughs> there's a great song about the Tower of Babel. Tower. Let's build it so tall that it reaches heaven. And everyone will say, we are the greatest people in the world. But God did not want them to... What you can't see is Mike dancing. It's great because every song is a, is a different genre. So it's like every, one after another. It's like it's a surprise. It's amazing. Like I even asked you to have something Christian in your Easter basket. Yeah. Yeah. You loved it. There is a video of me opening it and being like, a CD? Like I was like bummed to get a, a, a CD, but then I really liked it. Anyway, uh, the voice of Eric, Christopher Daniel Barnes, C.D. Barnes. He also did the voice of Spider-Man in the animated series of Spider-Man. Did you watch those, Dave? Yeah. And then uh, the most other famous voice was Buddy Hackett, the voice of Scuttle. I must know him from The Music Man. He he sings the Shapoopy song in The Music Man. Shapoopy, Shapoopy. And he was also in The Love Bug. He played like the sidekick in The Love Bug. So. I'm almost done with this. I'm going to you get the rest. You can talk. This movie was released November 17th, 1989. It initially earned $84.4 million, like 64% more than Oliver, which I believe that one was the most successful one, so upward trend. So it eventually totaled $211 million of international gross. In the 62nd Academy Awards, hosted by Billy Crystal, Alan Menken won Best Original Score. Both Kiss the Girl and Under the Sea were nominated, and Under the Sea won the Oscar for Best Original Song. Well-deserved. 
This movie lives on in the theme park ride, Ariel's Undersea Adventure. Mallory, you've been on that. I sure have. What do you think about that ride? Ursula is the most incredible thing I've ever seen on that ride. Yeah, she's one of the coolest animatronics they've ever made. Is she it's voluptuous? real life. It looks like the movie in <laughs> yes. real life. She is all there. <laughs> she's like, all fully there. Ursula. All right. It's really fun. That ride replaced the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea submarine voyage in Magic Kingdom. And it replaced a movie called Golden Dreams in Disney's California Adventures, like a movie about California hosted by Whoopi Goldberg that no one watched. So the ride is much better. David, I think that's it for now. Do you have any fun facts? <laughs> I'll try to keep these short. <laughs> they originally drew Ursula as a spine fish or a scorpion fish, not an octopus. So that would have been a much different moving character. Some of the sailors at the end on Prince Eric's ship were all caricatures of people on the staff making the movie, so they drew themselves into the crew. Uh. And then the Little Mermaid Broadway show addresses this, but Ursula was actually going to be a sister of King Trident in the movie at first, which would have created some interesting family dynamics. I think it's King Triton, by the way. Triton? Uh -huh. oh. What did but he say? But he has a trident. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can say that line again. My bad. No, the, the people need to know. <laughs> and then in the opening scene, when they show the, the audience of mer people, Mickey, Goofy, and Donald Duck are all hidden in the crowd. If you freeze frame it, you can probably Google image it as well. Ooh. Did you read about the controversy that happened on like the home video release of this movie? Was there a hidden... Something vulgar or something? Yeah. No, I didn't read about it. <laughs> like one of the towers on like the the, t the city in the background, the under underwater city looked like male genitalia. Ah. And people think it was intentional. Gotcha. <laughs> Classic Disney. They've been drawing bubbles yeah. for days. <laughs> so that was the Japanese animators. <laughs> Walt Disney Pictures, The Little Mermaid. So before we get into our reactions upon watching this, we watched this all together a couple nights ago. Let's go through quickly. Danny, what is your history with Little Mermaid? Have you seen this movie before? Oh, yes. I had seen, I've seen it a lot, actually. I think a combination of um, childhood and babysitting, all the kids that I watched, I've seen it several times. So much that I was a little bit bored <laughs> the other <laughs> night at parts, but I'll get into that later. All right. Mallory, your Little Mermaid history? I've seen it, but it's been... a over 10 years, so I, I couldn't tell you the details of it. So it was nice to watch it again. All right, Davey? Um, I barely remembered it. I definitely seen it before, but I had seen the animated TV show a lot more, which came out in 92. And then they also reran on the Disney Channel, like to 92 to 94, 95 to 2002, and then 2006 to 2010. So I saw it on TV a lot as a kid, the animated show. So I was a lot more familiar with yeah. that show than the actual movie. That was the first TV show to be spun off from a major animated Disney film. Like 33 episodes. As I've said before on this show, I believe, Little Mermaid was apparently the first movie I ever saw in a theater. And believe it or not, my mom kept a very comprehensive diary of everything I did in the first year or two or three of my life. And so I have pinpointed the exact day that I saw this movie. I was two years, six months, and three days old. <laughs> on November 25th, 1989 <laughs> is when I saw this movie for the first time. And I believe I was taken there by my father. Uh, do you have any memories of that day? Of course I do. Your mother would ask me to do anything to get you out of the house. And then she would deal with our new baby, Matthew. And one of the things I came up with was to take you to the Little Mermaid. Now... This was very controversial because you were afraid of many things. <laughs> and certainly big characters on a screen would be one of those things that you're afraid of. But I was convicted that with enough exposure, you could get over it and you might, in fact, enjoy it. So the I actually took you to see Little Mermaid by ourselves three times. Whoa. The first time... November 25th, 1989. First time you basically <laughs> looked the other direction throughout the whole movie on my lap and occasionally peaked. But after that, you decided that you wanted to experience it again. And so we had two more exposures. And you got to the point by the third one that you would actually enjoy it and look at it, except for, of course, the Ursula part. 
Which, which I still look away from. <laughs> in a bit of disgust. You still had to look away from. And then we took you to Disney on Ice, and when Ursula came out, we had to watch that part from not, not the inside of the stadium, from the outside of the stadium through one of those walkways. That was as close as you would get. And that was all kind of in the same time. How period. old was I for that? Because I have, I have a memory of that. Disney and Ice? Old enough because Matthew was there, so he was old enough to, that we took Matthew, too. We took both of them. Yeah. Because I stayed with four. Matthew. Matthew was not afraid. Mm-hmm. And Michael, and I have to say, Ursula was really freaky on ice. Wasn't Ursula like the size of the ice rink? Yes. 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 She was yeah. huge. Each of her tentacles had a skater underneath each one, so they expanded in this huge, huge octopus. It filled up most of the rink. Not quite the whole thing, but certainly the width of the ice rink. Okay, The Little Mermaid. We will get into our overarching reactions upon watching this movie for the first time in a long time. Danny, we'll start with you. Youngest first. Or maybe David's younger than you. I don't know. Who's younger? Older. Danny's younger. Danny, youngest first. Oh, Danny, no. Danny, what do you think of The Little Mermaid? Okay, I really like the music and it was like beautiful i wasn't a huge fan of the storyline though like i didn't i didn't love the whole i said this to david i'm gonna have kind of a hot take here but like um okay we like hot takes on the <laughs> disney one by one podcast like okay your whole life revolves around a man or and so you need him to save you slash you know kiss you and then your dad kind of has to rescue you at the end, which I get she's 16. She doesn't look 16, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I just, I didn't love the storyline. I liked the interaction with um, Sebastian and Flounder, but I just, it wasn't my favorite, to be honest. David, you're the next youngest, oldest. I am. Go for it. What do you think? That means Mallory's going to go last. Yeah, well, <laughs> change it up today. The oldest Similar thoughts as Danny music was great that definitely stood out like the four songs that everybody knows from that movie i think that they needed to build upon like the world of the mer Mer people a little bit more there wasn't much there you didn't know what they did on a day-to-day basis you just knew what ariel did which was collect human items because she had some weird obsession (laughs) with a different species yeah it was kind of it was all right there are good aspects and bad as- aspects. I expected it to be a lot better for how like much of a Disney classic you think of it as. And I think that the music is what has kind of cemented that as that tier of Disney movie. Yeah, I sort of agree with what both of you said to some extent. Yes, the songs are amazing. The animation's really great. Millions of bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> some early CG in there. But yeah, the plot itself is kind of dumb. Mallory. When the opening credits came and just it's Ariel's song that you first hear, just like da, 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 da. like my heart was very warmed by that. But I it kind of ended there because again, it might be the adult lens through which you watch a movie or as a parent. But the same thing, like love in most of these movies means a kiss, which I think as a young girl, I'm like, I'm learning about what love means through this. That is not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved Ursula. I know some people think she's scary. I love her character. I love her. <laughs> I love her song. I love everything about her. She is quite evil, though. But it is. It's a, it's a teenage girl who doesn't get what she wants. I'm wondering where her mom is. We don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. Her dad made kind of a bad decision by when he saw it. He was very emotional. He was upset. He went and destroyed everything. That was not very nice. <laughs> Yeah. And of course she wanted to run away. So I would probably walk through that with him in a different way. But, you know, he's by himself. Who can blame him? But the music is fantastic. I love Sebastian. His numbers, I think, are some of the best out of any of the movies. But other than that, the messages are... Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, the character of Ursula was based on a drag queen named Divine, which I have really? a picture pulled up here. Thank you want to see Divine. what she looks like? Wow. Pretty much. Well, that might be the male version of Divine. Oh, he is. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that I thought of during that was uh, David and Danny. When was your first kiss? Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm glad the parents left for this. Just kidding. They're gonna be <laughs> you listening. You know this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know theirs. Oh. 
Well, ahead, once again, we're the same basement where we watched Tarzan <laughs> oh, okay. and cuddled when we sh- probably shouldn't have been. Um, oh, oh, it was harmless. We were just cuddling. Well, yeah, <laughs> well on the same couch, <laughs> we had just played Mario Party 1 or 2. I don't remember where. David streamed it. <laughs> on the Nintendo 64. How many turns? Yeah. Probably the minimum amount because Danny's attention span isn't oh, thank you the for best that. for video games. <laughs> because they're boring. Yes. Let's be um, but Danny had to go work at the mall at the shoe store, I think. Bakers. And so, as before I pulled her up on the couch, I gave her a little kiss. Uh, was it true love? Well, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't grow her fin back. That's right. She had real human legs. I had real human legs right. afterwards. When was yeah. ours, Mallory? Mike, I would love for you to share it. Yeah, I'm please asking share. you. Oh, uh, I was getting ready to leave for the summer, and it was outside my house. And I gave Mike the the eyes. Ooh. The, I want you to kiss me eyes. And he felt uncomfortable. But then he kissed me, and then he sent me a very nice text. Oh. Which I don't remember I don't anything remember. that's in it. But it was very kind. And I went inside and woke up my roommate. And we were 27, 25. We were old. <laughs> That's so cute. Mm-hmm. That's great. really cute. Yep. So. And then you left me for like two months. And then, I, and then I went and I had to go to school in a different city, summer school. Oh, right. Yeah. For grad school. It reminds me. So Ariel mentioned she's 16 in the movie or somebody says it. Yeah. And they never mentioned Eric's age. No. But officially he's 18 years old. According to what? Uh, the novelization of the movie. Uh. So okay, that makes me feel a little better. For, for our first kiss, I think I was 17 and you were 16. So 18. No, I was 17. You were 18. Okay. Very similar to their ages. <laughs> off of one year. But you weren't a prince or like a boat captain. No. David looks oh, well. just like Eric, by the way. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh, thanks. He is very handsome. Yes. Both of you. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like our favorite parts of this movie were definitely the songs. So maybe we should talk about that a little bit. Uh, Mallory, what was your favorite song in this movie? Under the Sea. Ariel, listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. Just because of how colorful it is and... I know, it's just so lively, and it just makes you smile. Yeah, one, one thing I noticed with that sequence, especially near the end of the song, how quickly edited it was, mm. which yes, we yes. haven't really gotten in these movies before. Yes. I wonder if they did some computer editing as well, because the like the well, how does the song end? It probably just ends with Yeah, and they're all like, like and a they're stage cutting show. to the beat of that like really really quick, which I feel like it'd be hard. With animation, maybe not. It was just—it was that I noticed just because I'm an editor by trade, and we'd never seen that before. I thought that was kind of a fun way to end that sequence. I do also really like the under the sea part in the ride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You enter that yep. in real life. Yep. Yep. It's pretty awesome. And there's a funny thing you can find on YouTube when they first built the ride. There's a there's an animatronic of Ariel. And she's just like bobbing back and forth to the song. And when they originally built it, it's supposed to be underwater, obviously. They made her hair stick straight up like it's floating in the water, but it looks, she looks like a cone head. <laughs> it became like a laughing stock of this ride. Mm-hmm. And so a, a little while later, they, they closed it to replace her hair. And now it's like flowing down like normal hair. Oh my you can gosh. find it online. It's pretty funny. It looks ridiculous, the original one. That's it's weird that they chose to do that. so silly. Because she doesn't have that in the movie. No. It's like flowy in the movie. But... It also, it depends on which direction you're moving underwater for your hair to be that way. (laughs) Right. Bad hair physics. They fixed it. Yeah, right. Rookie mistake. I liked Kiss the Girl. Percussion. Strings. Winds. Words. There you see her. Sitting there across the way. Which, again, I wasn't all for the kiss love equals kiss yeah but um it's so catchy and it was kind of cute how sebastian like orchestrated all of it like again i think my choices of disney movie shows i like the friendship aspects of things like i love her relationship with those two i mean that's i feel like that's the best part of the movie their little interactions and how he like crawls onto her plate at the dinner sebastian and gross 
gross crab I don't know my dinner plate I had a hermit crab didn't you oh yeah it fell apart yeah, mine crawled out of the shell and just died. It was kind of creepy. Weird pets. You used to be able to go to the mall, and there was a kiosk yes. in the mall, like like just in the middle of the walkway, it's where, where they just mine. have crabs crawling around. Yeah. And they had like like St. Louis Rams and Cardinals <laughs> logos painted on the backs of them, and you just like buy a crab in a cage for like fifteen bucks. Yeah. That's where I got mine too. Yeah. Which it, did yours have a pattern, a design? Yeah, I had Flash's symbol, the superhero, on its shell. So <laughs> I, was Speedy. I named him Speedy. Oh. Mine's name was Hermie. Very original. Yeah, very, very. I was going to ask, what's the Flash's real name? Uh, Barry Allen. No, you should have named him Barry. That would have been more clever. Speedy. Next time. Next Speedy time. was also my RuneScape gamer tag. Got it. Speaking of, of crabs, just for sake of variety, I really liked the the le poison yes. <laughs> the chef it did sound very much like be our guest which yeah, I, which it's Alan I, yeah i'll make it the same yeah. guy so so i guess he he has to regurgitate some things every so often you know he's amazing but I like that sequence. I did not really remember that from the last time seeing this movie in 1989 or whatever it was. Yeah. But that was fun. A little random song and sequence. Kiss the Girl was also my favorite. I liked all the ways all the little other creatures and fish in the pond were helping them. Yeah. It was funny. I think we, we were laughing at a few of those uh, yeah. instruments that they made their bodies play. All right, what else we got about this movie? You want to you want to you want to rant more about female things? Yeah, let's talk about this. Yeah, let's talk about the message to young women. Yes, take it. You take it. Okay, so she wants to become human. Okay, that's fine. She grass is greener, right? Grass is greener on the other side, so she wants that. Kinda. So she sees this very handsome man, which I agree, he's very handsome, and he plays the flute. What a talented man! But then this becomes. I mean, again, I guess. Ursula orchestrated this like the only way you're gonna be able to have what you want and not be stuck as one of those nasty little creatures <laughs> Yeah, those were never explained. Yeah. Yeah. Good point is to make him fall in love with you and have him kiss Which is Sleeping Beauty, which is like we, we could list S- Snow White Snow White Cinderella Cinderella, kind of. Cinderella yeah, you kind gotta of. kiss So it's this idea of like you have to make him do this in order to survive which again it was Ursula making it but i just this whole idea of like to make him fall in love with you he has to kiss you yeah that's that's that strand is when i started writing down yeah like, wait a second wait a second because we already have this problem like yes. all movies are already teaching us this yeah i think it's like you have to work for it like it's almost like there's almost an element of manipulation like you have to make him want you and like I don't know. That's so... It's like, uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's just so typical of our, like, society, I feel like. And this was so long ago, even. But, um, which, again, I... Miss Fashion Major over here. <laughs> I'm all about, like, dressing cute. I'm not Miss Modesty Police, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do, like, I agree that the message is a little bit off. And, again, yeah, she had to kiss him. And then her dad still had to bail her out, you know, at the end. I guess part of it you could say was like sacrificial love, like he sacrificed himself, but I don't know. I want to know how you can get so jacked underwater. <laughs> King Triton's huge. It's all that resistance with holding the giant. She's <laughs> <laughs> got a heavy, a heavy staff. Sorry, I interrupted. That's all I have to say. It makes me feel uncomfortable. It'll be interesting when Ellie wants to watch these. It's, it's just so ingrained that I don't think I would have thought anything of it. Yeah. As a child. Yeah. And even now growing up, there are things that are just part of what you think is true. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know that you think. Uh, you don't want her to be like the weird girl who's not allowed <laughs> to watch Little Mermaid, though. But you, again, you still want to address those, th- those things. We talk about that all the, ta- all the time. Like, how do you handle that? I don't know, as a parent. But let me know, because you're yeah, doing we'll it. We'll try it. We'll mess her up, and we'll let you know. There is talk that they're making a live-action version of this. So I'm curious if they'll change any of that. Well, you can see it in later movies. The the princesses in later movies have opinions, and they're the ones that are yes. the heroes. 
rather than the ones seeking after a guy or being saved. Like so Moana? Yeah, Moana. I, I haven't seen a lot of the recent ones. But there's, there's a definite change because that would not be accepted anymore. Okay, so you brought this up initially with the lack of character development. I think like a lot of my movies on my list were recent because of the character development. Like they have a lot more lines. I think the reason why I liked Sebastian and Flounder so much, I feel like they're the ones that talked the most. Like, yeah. I mean, Ariel lost her voice. She didn't even talk for half of it, you know? Like, <laughs> let's just talk about Flounder. What a nice gift when he brought the Eric statue to Ariel. Like, really, yes. that's friend of the year. That's I want to know how the heck he did that. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Just with his face. You can barely fit a, uh, a mermaid through the whole entrance to that place. <laughs> but she has paintings and books underwater okay. in her collection that aren't disintegrating, so... Yeah, there are, there are questions. <laughs> yeah. Also, can we talk about how empathetic Flounder is? Like, anytime she would cry, he would cry. Like, Aww. it was really sweet. I ate Flounder for dinner last night. <laughs> yes. Did you have flounder last you night? You did. No. Did, no, just me. No, our dad did. You should have asked for the whole fish just so we could take take a picture with him. <laughs> it was dark, the special but... at the restaurant, so I figured it'd be ironic. Was it good? It was pretty good. It just tasted like trout or something. Ursula ate a very lively shrimp, like, don't kill me, at the beginning of the movie. That was kind of sad. Can we talk about why does Ursula have the ability to turn Ariel into a human? She's Where, a witch. And that's where that comes from. Why is she a witch? Yeah, Triton's got powers too, which aren't explained. So then maybe that goes back to what you said about we don't really know more of the story. Well, and that's not the point. In the in the TV show, King Triton <laughs> get like all of his power all of his powers are in the Trident. Because when the Trident gets stolen, then people can use that to like laser other which is fish. What Ursula got. Yeah. To get but before big. she still switched her into a human. <laughs> There's someone unexplained magic in this movie, but that's fairly common in these. Any final thoughts before we figure out our rating system? David, I feel like you didn't say that much about this movie. Do you have any other things? <laughs> Way to call me out. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, going into it, I expected a lot more as far as character development because I had that those memories from the TV show. So, like... You have 33 episodes of character development? Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know if I saw all of them. I probably saw 15 or something. But Flounder and Ariel had, like, a good friendship in the show. They, like, talked a lot. Sebastian was always like tagging along as well and as you said Ariel didn't talk for most of the movie so like I didn't really care about her that much and I also didn't really care about the mer people that much because the only other one you got to know barely was her dad I didn't like how they didn't get into life underwater at all life is the bubbles they honestly didn't even get into Prince Eric's life at all either like they visited that one town but we didn't learn that much about him from that like what he has to do to rule the kingdom. All right, we need a rating system for Little Mermaid. I guess Danny and, and Mallory, you can collectively figure something out. You can rate this movie out of anything you want. Out of eight tentacles. Is that oh, how that's... many octopus? Yeah, octopus is eight. That, that's a good one. <laughs> octopus. <laughs> okay, is that what we're going with? We're going to rate yeah. this out of eight? We're going to rate this out of eight. Eight Ursula tentacles. Yes. Okay, Danny, you're the youngest. <laughs> Oh, which has been highlighted in this episode. Yes, I am. How would you rate this movie? I would say six-ish, six out of eight. Okay, you can do decimal. I mean, you can do decimal points if you need to. Okay, I was gonna go like five point eight. Then that's good. That's because good. it's it's an average or below average Disney movie. I don't know why it's such a classic. I lo- again, the music brings it up, but I don't. I didn't love it. And honestly, I was getting a little bit bored. And when I would get on my phone, Mike would get mad at me. So <laughs> <laughs> you gotta watch a movie. Yes, <laughs> which I'm glad, so I can participate well. But I, I didn't love it. That's my rating. David, out of out of eight. Tentacles. I would give it a 4.8, so like a 60%. So not terrible, but definitely... I mean, 60 is pretty terrible. You don't want to get a 60% on a paper. Well, if you were to listen to every other episode and known what I rated other movies, you know that that's like towards towards the bottom, middle rating All section right. from <laughs> the movies we've seen, but it's not at the bottom. Like, I wasn't sorry to see it, like some of the 
first ones we watched. <laughs> three caviars. I like the three caviars. <laughs> the, the songs are great, though. And whoever that composer was. Alan Menken. Did he do other movies? Yeah, we. I established that. Oh, sorry. It was a little bit long. I might have tuned it out. <laughs> like the rest of the good ones. Yeah. He was awesome. What about you, Mike? You said 4.8 out of 8. Yeah. Okay, so out of 8, Ursula Tentacles. I'd, I'd give it a 6.4. I think this, I mean, the songs are a large percentage of the movie, and I love the songs. So sure, the movie's not that great, but it has a whole bunch of awesome sequences. So it was good. I don't think it's going to crack my top 10, but I really enjoyed it. Mallory, wrap this up with your rating, please. I think I'd give it a five out of eight, mainly because I like whole numbers. And what's up with this decimal point system? (laughs) Music, again, all of you have already said it. Music, I would give a seven or even an eight out of eight. It's just so wonderful. And there's a reason that, 10 years removed from this movie that I look back very fondly because all those songs bring me so much joy. Now again, going back to the actual story, as you've said, it's just, it's okay. Flounder's great, Sebastian is wonderful, Eric's awesome, Ariel's hair is great. But really other than that, there's just so much more it could be. That's also maybe the times. Danny and Mallory, how was was it being on Disney One by One? The greatest experience of my life. (laughs) Wonderful. I was very, we, we were nervous. I almost had some nervous poops in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> we both have a glass of wine. Yeah. We were so nervous. Get us through. All right. It's a big stage, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and David, thank you as always for uh, doing the show with me. He's got to find his movie quote. We've got no troubles. Life is the bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Under the sea. <laughs> And remember, you can check us out everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. And please leave us a rating and review. We read them and we love them. So next week, we will see you. What do we have? The Rescuers Down Under from 1990. This is the first Disney sequel, the sequel to The Rescuers. So we will see you then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. We have to check in in three, two, one. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. Also, on American, it doesn't matter as much. I got... I'm B33. B35. All right. That's pretty bad. That is pretty bad. Wow. We can family board. Wow. Yeah, we're family boarding.